Section 45 of the Book of Household Management. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Book of Household Management by Isabella Beaton. Recipes. Chapter 21, Part 2. Boiled Fowls or Chickens. 938. Ingredients. A pair of fowls. Water. Choosing and trussing. In choosing fowls for boiling, it should be borne in mind that those that are not black-legged are generally much whiter when dressed. Pick, draw, singe, wash, and truss them in the following manner, without the livers in the wings, and, in drawing, be careful not to break the gallbladder. Cut off the neck, leaving sufficient skin to skewer back. Cut the feet off to the first joint. Tuck the stumps into a slit made on each side of the belly. Twist the wings over the back of the fowl, and secure the top of the leg and the bottom of the wing together by running a skewer through them and the body. The other side must be done in the same manner. Should the fowl be very large and old, draw the sinews of the legs before tucking them in. Make a slit in the apron of the fowl, large enough to admit the parson's nose, and tie a string on the tops of the legs to keep them in their proper place. Mode. When they are firmly trussed, put them into a stewpan with plenty of hot water, bring it to boil, and carefully remove all the scum as it rises. Simmer very gently until the fowl is tender, and bear in mind that the slower it boils, the plumper and whiter will the fowl be. Many cooks wrap them in a floured cloth to preserve the colour, and to prevent the scum from clinging to them. In this case, a few slices of lemon should be placed on the breasts. Over these, a sheet of buttered paper, and then the cloth. Cooking them in this manner renders the flesh very white. Boiled ham, bacon, boiled tongue or pickled pork are the usual accompaniments to boiled fowls, and they may be served with bechamel, white sauce, parsley in butter, oyster, lemon, liver, celery or mushroom sauce. A little should be poured over the fowls after the skewers are removed, and the remainder sent in a tureen to table. Time, large fowl, one hour. Moderate-sized one, three-quarters of an hour. Chicken, from twenty minutes to half an hour. Average cost, in full season, five shillings the pair. Sufficient for seven or eight persons. Seasonable all the year, but scarce in early spring. The Game Fowl Respecting the period at which this well-known member of the Gallus family became domesticated, history is silent. There is little doubt, however, that like the dog, it has been attached to mankind ever since mankind were attached to civilization. Although the social position of this bird is, at the present time, highly respectable, it is nothing to what it was when Rome was mistress of the world. Writing at that period, Pliny says, respecting the domestic cock, The gait of the cock is proud and commanding. He walks with head erect and elevated crest. Alone of all birds he habitually looks up to the sky, raising at the same time his curved and scythe-formed tail, and inspiring terror in the lion himself, that most intrepid of animals. They regulate the conduct of our magistrates, and open or close to them their own houses. They prescribe rest or movement to the Roman fasces. They command or prohibit battles. In a word, they lord it over the masters of the world. As well among the ancient Greeks as the Romans was the cock regarded with respect and even awe. The former people practised divinations by means of this bird. Supposing there to be a doubt in the camp as to the fittest day to fight a battle, the letter of every day in the week would be placed face downwards, and a grain of corn placed on each. Then the sacred cock would be let loose, 
and according to the letters he pecked his corn from, so would the battle time be regulated. On one momentous occasion, however, a person inimical to priestly interest officiously examined the grain and found that those lying on the letters not wanted were made of wax, and the birds, preferring the true grain, left these untouched. It is needless to add that after this, divination through the medium of cocks and grain fell out of fashion. Whether or no the learned fowl above alluded to were of the game breed is unknown, but that the birds were bred for the inhuman sport of fighting many hundred years before the Christian era, there can be no doubt. Themistocles, the Athenian king who flourished more than two thousand years ago, took advantage of the sight of a pitched battle between two cocks to harangue his soldiers on courage. Observe, said he, with what intrepid valour they fight, inspired by no other motive than law of victory, whereas you have to contend for your religion and your liberty, for your wives and children, and for the tombs of your ancestors. And to this day his courage has not degenerated. He still preserves his bold and elegant gait, his sparkling eye, while his wedge-shaped beak and cruel spurs are ever ready to support his defiant crow. It is no wonder that the breed is not plentiful, first on account of the few eggs laid by the hen, and secondly from the incurable pugnacity of the chicks. Half-fledged broods may be found blind as bats from fighting, and only waiting for the least glimmer of sight to be added again. Without doubt, the flesh of game flowers is every way superior to that of every chicken of the family. Broiled fowl and mushroom sauce, 939. Ingredients. A large fowl, seasoning to taste of pepper and salt, two handfuls of button mushrooms, one slice of lean ham, three quarters of a pint of thickened gravy, one teaspoonful of lemon juice, half a teaspoonful of pounded sugar. Mode. Cut the fowl into quarters, roast it until three parts done, and keep it well basted whilst at the fire. Take the fowl up, broil it for a few minutes over a clear fire, and season it with pepper and salt. Have ready some mushroom sauce made in the following manner. Put the mushrooms into a stewpan with a small piece of butter, the ham, a seasoning of pepper and salt, and the gravy. Simmer these gently for half an hour. Add the lemon juice and sugar, dish the fowl, and pour the sauce round them. Time to roast the fowl 35 minutes. To broil it 10 to 15 minutes. Average cost in full season 2 shillings 6 pence. Sufficient for 4 or 5 persons. Seasonable in full season from May to January. The Bantam. No one will dispute that for beauty, animation, plumage and courage, the Bantam is entitled to rank next to the game fowl. As its name undoubtedly implies, the bird is of Asiatic origin. The choicest sorts are the buff-coloured and those that are entirely black. A year-old Bantam cock of pure breed will not weigh more than 16 ounces. Despite its small size, however, it is marvellously bold, especially in defence of its progeny. A friend of the writers, residing at Kensington, possessed a pair of thoroughbred bantams that were allowed in the range of a yard where a fierce bull terrier was kennelled. The hen had chicks, and, when about three weeks old, one of them strayed into the dog kennel. The grim beast within took no notice of the tiny fledgling, but, when the anxious mother ventured in to fetch out the truant, with a growl the dog woke and nearly snapped her asunder in his great jaws. The cockbird saw the tragic fate of its partner, but nothing daunted, flew at the dog with a fierce cry and pecked savagely at its face. 
The odds, however, were too great, and when the terrier had sufficiently recovered from the astonishment caused by this sudden and unexpected attack, he seized the audacious bantam and shook him to death, and in five minutes the devoted couple were entombed in Pinch's capacious moor. Boiled fowl and rice, 940. Ingredients. One fowl, mutton broth, two onions, two small blades of pounded mace, pepper and salt to taste, a quarter of a pint of rice, parsley and butter. Mode. Truss the fowl as for boiling, and put it into a stewpan with sufficient clear, well-skimmed mutton broth to cover it. Add the onion, mace, and a seasoning of pepper and salt. Stew very gently for about one hour, should the fowl be large, and about half an hour before it is ready, put in the rice, which should be well washed and soaked. When the latter is tender, strain it from the liquor and put it on a sieve reversed to dry before the fire, and in the meantime keep the fowl hot. Dish it, put the rice round as a border, pour a little parsley and butter over the fowl, and the remainder send to table in a tureen. Time, a large fowl, one hour. Average cost, in full season, two shillings sixpence. Sufficient for three or four persons. Seasonable all the year, but scarce in early spring. The Dorking. This bird takes its name from that of a town in Surrey, where the breed is to be found in greater numbers, and certainly in greater perfection than elsewhere. It is generally believed that this particular branch of poultry was found in the town above mentioned as long ago as the Roman era. The Dorking's chief characteristic is that he has five claws on each foot, the extra claw, however, is never of sufficient length to encumber the foot, or to cause it to drag its nest or scratch out the eggs. The colour of the true dorking is pure white, long in the body, short in the legs, and a prolific layer. Thirty years ago there was much controversy respecting the origin of the dorking. The men of Sussex declared that the bird belonged to them, and brought birds indigenous to their wild, and possessing all the dorking fine points and peculiarities, in proof of the declaration. Others inclined to the belief that the Poland bird was the father of the Dorking, and not without, at least, a show of reason, as the former bird much resembles the latter in shape, and, despite its sombre hue, it is well known that the Poland cock will occasionally beget thorough white stock from white English hens. The commotion has, however, long ago subsided, and Dorking still retains its fair reputation for fowl. Curried fowl, 941. Ingredients. 1 fowl, 2 ounces of butter, 3 onions sliced, 1 pint of white veal gravy, 1 tablespoonful of curry powder, 1 tablespoonful of flour, 1 apple, 4 tablespoonfuls of cream, 1 tablespoonful of lemon juice. Mode. Put the butter into a stewpan with the onions sliced, the fowl cut into small joints, and the apple peeled, cored, and minced. Fry of a pale brown, add the stock, and stew gently for twenty minutes. Rub down the curry powder and flour with a little of the gravy, quite smoothly, and stir this to the other ingredients. Simmer for rather more than half an hour, and just before serving, add the above proportion of hot cream and lemon juice. Serve with boiled rice, which may either be heaped lightly on a dish by itself, or put round the curry as a border. Time, fifty minutes. Average cost, three shillings threepence. Sufficient for three or four persons. Seasonable in the winter. Note, this curry may be made of cold chicken, but undressed meat will be found far superior. The Poland. 
This bird, a native of Holland, is a great favourite with fowl-keepers, especially those who have an eye to profit rather than to amusement. Those varieties known as the silver-spangled and the gold-spangled are handsome enough to please the most fastidious, but the common black breed with the bushy crown of white feathers is but a plain bird. The chief value of the common Poland lies in the great number of eggs they produce. Indeed, in many parts, they are as well known as everlasting layers as by their proper name. However, the experienced breeder would take good care to send the eggs of his everlasting layers to market, and not use them for home consumption, as, although they may be as large as those laid by other hens, the amount of nutriment contained in them is not nearly so great. Mr. Mowbray once kept an account of the number of eggs produced by this prolific bird, with the following result. From the 25th of October to the 25th of the following September, five hens laid 503 eggs. The average weight of each egg was one ounce five drams, and the total weight of the whole, exclusive of the shells, fifty and a quarter pounds. Taking the weight of the birds at the fair average of five pounds each, we thus see them producing within a year double their weight of egg alone. And, supposing every egg to contain a chick, and allowing the chick to grow, in less than eighteen months from the laying of the first egg, two thousand five hundred pounds of chicken meat would be the result. The Poland is easily fattened, and its flesh is generally considered juicier and of richer flavour than most others. Curried fowl or chicken, cold meat cookery. 942. Ingredients. The remains of cold roast fowls, two large onions, one apple, two ounces of butter, one dessert spoonful of curry powder, one teaspoonful of flour, half a pint of gravy, one tablespoonful of lemon juice. Mode. Slice the onions, peel, core and chop the apple, and cut the fowl into neat joints. Fry these in the butter of a nice brown, then add the curry powder, flour and gravy, and stew for about twenty minutes. Put in the lemon juice and serve with boiled rice, either placed in a ridge round the dish or separately. Two or three shallots or a little garlic may be added if approved. Time, altogether, half an hour. Average cost, exclusive of the cold fowl, sixpence. Seasonable in the winter. The Koshin China About fifteen years ago, the arrival of this distinguished Asiatic created in England as great a sensation as might be expected from the landing of an invading host. The first pair that ever made their appearance here were natives of Shanghai, and were presented to the Queen, who exhibited them at the Dublin Poultry Show of 1818. Then began the Koshin Furor. As soon as it was discovered, despite the most strenuous endeavours to keep the tremendous secret that a certain dealer was possessed of a pair of these birds, Straightway the avenues to that dealer's shop were blocked by brophams and chariots and hat-cabs until the shy poulterer had been tempted by a sufficiently high sum to part with his treasure. Banknotes were exchanged for koshin chicks, and koshin eggs were in as great demand as though they had been laid by the fabled golden goose. The reign of the koshin china was, however, of inconsiderable duration. The bird that, in 1847, would fetch thirty guineas, is now counted but ordinary chicken meat, and its price is regulated according to its weight when ready for the spit. As for the precious buff eggs, against which one time of day guineas were weighed, send for six pennyworth at the cheesemongers and you will get at least five, which is just as it should be. For elegance of shape or quality of flesh, the caution cannot for a moment stand comparison with our handsome dunghill. 
neither can the indescribable mixture of growling and braying peculiar to the former vie with the musical trumpeting of our own morning herald. Yet our poultry breeders have been immense gainers by the introduction of the ungainly celestial, inasmuch as new blood has been infused into the English chicken family. Of this incalculable advantage we may be sure, while, as to the quotient's defects, they are certain to be lost in the process of cross-and-cross -cross breeding. Boiled fowls a la bechamel, 943. Ingredients. A pair of fowls, one pint of bechamel, number 367, a few bunches of boiled broccoli or cauliflower. Mode. Truss and boil the fowls by recipe number 938. Make a pint of bechamel sauce by recipe number 367, pour some of this over the fowls, and the remainder send to table in a tureen. Garnish the dish with bunches of boiled cauliflowers or broccoli and serve very hot. The sauce should be made sufficiently thick to adhere to the fowls, that for the tureen should be thinned by adding a spoonful or two of stock. Time, from half to one hour, according to size. Average cost, in full season, five shillings a pair. Sufficient for six or seven persons. Seasonable all the year, but scarce in early spring. Space for fowls. We are no advocates for converting the domestic fowl into a cage bird. We have known amateur fowl-keepers, worthy souls, who would butter the very barley they gave their pets, if they thought they would the more enjoy it. Creep up a male bird and three or four hens in an ordinary egg-chest placed on its side, and with the front closely barred with iron hooping. This system will not do. Every animal, from man himself to the guinea-pig, must have what is vulgarly but truly known as elbow-room, and it must be self-evident how emphatically this rule applies to winged animals. It may be urged, in the case of domestic fowls, that from constant disuse and from clipping and plucking and other sorts of maltreatment, their wings can hardly be regarded as instruments of flight. We maintain, however, that you may pluck a fowl's wing joints as bare as a pumpkin, but you will not erase from his memory that he is a fowl, and that his proper sphere is the open air. If he likewise reflects that he is an ill-used fowl, a prison bird, he will then come to the conclusion that there is not the least use under such circumstances for his existence, and you must admit that the decision is only logical and natural. Boiled fowl with oysters. Excellent. 944. Ingredients. One young fowl, three dozen oysters, the yolks of two eggs, a quarter of a pint of cream. Mode. Truss a young fowl as for boiling. Fill the inside with oysters which have been bearded and washed in their own liquor. Secure the ends of the fowl, put it into a jar, and plunge the jar into a saucepan of boiling water. Keep it boiling for one and a half hours, or rather longer. Then take the gravy that has flowed from the oysters and fowl, of which there will be a good quantity. Stir in the cream and yolks of eggs. Add a few oysters scalded in their liquor. Let the sauce get quite hot, but do not allow it to boil. Pour some of it over the fowl and the remainder sent to table in a tureen. A blade of pounded mace added to the sauce with the cream and eggs will be found an improvement. Time, one and a half hours. Average cost, four shillings sixpence. Sufficient for three or four persons. Seasonable from September to April. The Fowl House In building a fowl house, take care that it be, if possible, built against a wall or fence that faces the south, and thus ensures its inmates against many cold winds, driving rains, and sleets they will otherwise suffer. 
Let the floor of the house slope half an inch to the foot from back to front, so as to ensure drainage. Let it also be close, hard, and perfectly smooth, so that it may be cleanly swept out. A capital plan is to mix a few bushels of chalk and dry earth, spread it over the floor, and pay a pavior's labour a trifle to hammer it level with his rammer. The fowl house should be seven feet high and furnished with perches at least two feet apart. The perches must be level, and not one above the other, or unpleasant consequences may ensue to the undermost row. The perches should be ledged, not fixed, just dropped into sockets, that they may be easily taken out and cleaned. Not lower than five feet from the ground, convenient slips of wood being driven into the wall to render the ascent as easy as possible. The front of the fowl-house should be latticed, taking care that the interstices be not wide enough even to tempt the chick to crawl through. Nesting-boxes containing soft hay and fitted against the walls so as to be easily reached by the perch-ladder should be supplied. It will be as well to keep by you a few portable doors, so that you may hang one before the entrance to a nesting-box when the hen goes in to sit. This will prevent other hens from intruding, a habit to which some are much addicted. Fricasseed fowl or chicken, an entree. 945. Ingredients. Two small fowls or one large one. Three ounces of butter. A bunch of parsley and green onions. One clove, two blades of mace. One shallot one bay-leaf, salt and white pepper to taste, a quarter of a pint of cream, the yolks of three eggs. Mode. Choose a couple of fat, plump chickens, and, after drawing, singeing, and washing them, skin and carve them into joints. Blanch these in boiling water for two or three minutes. Take them out, and immerse them in cold water to render them white. Put the trimmings with the necks and legs into a stewpan. Add the parsley, onions, clove, mace, shallot, bay-leaf, and a seasoning of pepper and salt. Pour to these the water that the chickens were blanched in, and simmer gently for rather more than one hour. Have ready another stewpan. Put in the joints of fowl with the above proportion of butter. Dredge them with flour, let them get hot, but do not brown them much. Then moisten the fricassee with the gravy made from the trimmings, etc., and stew very gently for half an hour. Lift the fowl into another stewpan, skim the sauce, reduce it quickly over the fire by letting it boil fast, and strain it over them. Add the cream and a seasoning of pounded mace and cayenne. Let it boil up, and when ready to serve, stir to it the well-beaten yolks of three eggs. These should not be put in till the last moment, and the sauce should be made hot, but must not boil, or it will instantly curdle. A few button mushrooms stewed with the fowl are by many persons considered an improvement. Time, one hour to make the gravy, half an hour to simmer the fowl. Average cost, five shillings the pair. Sufficient, one large fowl for one entree. Seasonable at any time. Stocking the fowl house. Take care that the birds with which you stock your house are young. The surest indications of old age are fading of the comb and gills from brilliant red to a dingy brick colour, general paleness of plumage, brittleness of the feathers, length and size of the claws, and the scales of the legs and feet assuming a ragged and corny appearance. Your cock and hens should be as near two years old as possible. Hens will lay at a year old, but the eggs are always insignificant in size, and they lay as giddy and unsteady sitters. The hen bird is in her prime for breeding at three years old, and will continue so under favourable circumstances for two years longer, after which she will decline. Crowing hens and those that have large combs are generally looked on with mistrust, 
but this is mere silliness and superstition. Though it is possible that a spruce young cock would as much object to a spouse with such peculiar addictions, as a young fellow of our own species would to a damsel who whistled and wore whiskers. Fowls with yellow legs should be avoided. They are generally of a tender constitution, loose-fleshed, and of indifferent flavour. Fricasseed fowl, cold meat cookery, 946. Ingredients. The remains of cold roast fowl, one strip of lemon peel, one blade of pounded mace, one bunch of savoury herbs, one onion, pepper and salt to taste, one pint of water, one teaspoonful of flour, a quarter of a pint of cream, the yolks of two eggs. Mode. Carve the fowls into nice joints. Make gravy of the trimmings and legs by stewing them with a lemon peel, mace, herbs, onion, seasoning and water, until reduced to half a pint. Then strain and put in the fowl. Warm it through and thicken with a teaspoonful of flour. Stir the yolks of the eggs into the cream, add these to the sauce. Let it get thoroughly hot, but do not allow it to boil, or it will curdle. Time, one hour to make the gravy, a quarter of an hour to warm the fowl. Average cost, exclusive of the cold chicken, eightpence. Seasonable at any time. Characteristics of health and power. The chief characteristics of health in a fowl are brightness and dryness of eye and nostrils, the comb and wattles firm and ruddy, the feathers elastic and glossy. The most useful cock is generally the greatest tyrant. He struts among his hens despotically, with his head erect and his eyes ever watchful. There is likely to be handsomer and stronger chicks in a house where a bold, active, even savage bird reigns, than where the lord of the hen-house is a weak, meek creature who bears the abuse and peckings of his wives without a remonstrance. I much prefer dark-coloured cock-birds to those of light plumage. A cock, to be handsome, should be of middling size. His bill should be short, comb bright red, wattles large, breast broad, and wings strong. His head should be rather small than otherwise, his legs short and sturdy, and his spurs well formed. His feathers should be short and close, and the more frequently and heartily he crows, the better father he is likely to become. The common error of choosing hens above the ordinary stature of their respective varieties should be avoided, as the best breeding hens are those of medium size. Fried Fowls, Cold Meat Cookery 1. 947. Ingredients The remains of cold roast fowls, vinegar, salt and cayenne to taste, three or four minced shallots. For the batter, half a pound of flour, half a pint of hot water, two ounces of butter, the whites of two eggs. Mode. Cut the fowl into nice joints. Steep them for an hour in a little vinegar with salt, cayenne and minced shallots. Make the batter by mixing the flour and water smoothly together. Melt in it the butter, and add the whites of egg beaten to a froth. Take out the pieces of fowl, dip them in the batter, and fry in boiling lard a nice brown. Pile them high in the dish, and garnish with fried parsley or rolled bacon. When approved, a sauce or gravy may be served with them. Time, ten minutes to fry the fowl. Average cost, exclusive of the cold fowl, eightpence. Seasonable at any time. Chanticleer and his companions. On bringing the male and female birds together for the first time, it will be necessary to watch the former closely, as it is a very common occurrence with him to conceive a sudden and violent dislike for one or more of his wives, and not allow the obnoxious ones to approach within some distance of the others, 
Indeed, I know many cases where the capricious tyrant has set upon the innocent cause of his resentment, and killed her outright. In all such cases, the hen objected to should be removed and replaced by another. If the cock should, by any accident, get killed, considerable delicacy is required in introducing a new one. The hens may mope, and refuse to associate with their new husband, clustering in corners and making odious comparisons between him and the departed, or the cock may have his own peculiar notions as to what a wife should be, and be by no means satisfied with those you have provided him. The plan is to keep him by himself nearly the whole day, supplying him plentifully with exhilarating food, then to turn him loose among the hens and to continue this practice, allowing him more of the society of his wives each day, until you suffer him to abide with them altogether. 2. 948. Ingredients. The remains of cold roast fowl, vinegar, salt and cayenne to taste, four minced shallots, yolk of egg, to every teacupful of bread crumbs allow one blade of pounded mace, three teaspoonful of minced lemon peel, one saltspoonful of salt, a few grains of cayenne. Mode. Steep the pieces of fowl as in the preceding recipe, then dip them into the yolk of an egg or clarified butter. Sprinkle over bread crumbs with which have been mixed salt, mace, cayenne, and lemon peel in the above proportion. Fry a light brown and serve with or without gravy as may be preferred. Time, ten minutes to fry the fowl. Average cost, exclusive of the cold fowl, sixpence. Seasonable at any time. Various modes of fattening fowls. It would, I think, be a difficult matter to find among the entire fraternity of fowl-keepers a dozen whose mode of fattening stock is the same. Some say that the grand secret is to give them abundance of saccharine food. Others say nothing beats heavy corn steeped in milk, while another breeder, celebrated in his day, and the recipient of a gold medal from a learned society, says, The best method is as follows. The chickens are to be taken from the hen the night after they are hatched, and fed with eggs hard-boiled, chopped, and mixed with crumbs of bread, as larks and other small birds are fed, for the first fortnight. After which, give them oatmeal and treacle mixed so as to crumble, of which the chickens are very fond and thrive so fast that at the end of two months they will be as large as full-grown fowls. Others there are who insist that nothing beats oleaginous diet and cram their birds with ground oats and suet. But whatever the course of diet favoured, on one point they seem agreed, and that is that while fattening, the fowl should be kept in the dark. Supposing the reader to be a dealer, a breeder of gross chicken meat for the market, against which supposition the chances are ten thousand to one, and beset with as few scruples as generally trouble the huckster, the advice is valuable. Laugh and grow fat is a good maxim enough, but sleep and grow fat is, as is well known to folks of porcine attributes, a better. The poor birds, immured in their dark dungeons, ignorant that there is life and sunshine abroad, tuck their heads under their wings and make a long night of it, while their digestive organs, having no harder work than to pile up fat, have an easy time enough. But, unless we are mistaken, he who breeds poultry for his own eating bargains for a more substantial reward than the questionable pleasure of bearing his carving knife in chicken grease. Tender, delicate, and nutritious flesh is the great aim, and these qualities are can affirm without fear of contradiction were never attained by a dungeon-fatted chicken. Perpetual gloom and darkness is as incompatible with chicken life as it is with human. If you wish to be convinced of the absurdity of endeavouring to thwart nature's laws, 
Plant a tuft of grass or a cabbage plant in the darkest corner of your coal cellar. The plant or the tuft may increase in length and breadth, but its colour will be as worn and pale, almost, as would be your own face under the circumstances. Poulet à la Marengo 949 Ingredients 1 large fowl, 2 tablespoonfuls of salad oil, 1 tablespoonful of flour, 1 pint of stock number 105 or water, about 20 mushroom buttons, salt and pepper to taste, 1 teaspoonful of powdered sugar, a very small piece of garlic. Mode. Cut the fowl in 8 or 10 pieces. Put them with the oil into a stew pan and brown them over a moderate fire. Dredge in the above proportion of flour. When that is browned, pour in the stock or water. Let it simmer very slowly for rather more than half an hour, and skim off the fat as it rises to the top. Add the mushroom, season with salt, pepper, garlic and sugar. Take out the fowl, which, arranged pyramidically on the dish, with the inferior joints at the bottom. Reduce the sauce by boiling it quickly over the fire, keeping it stirred until sufficiently thick to adhere to the back of a spoon. Pour over the fowl and serve. Time, altogether, 50 minutes. Average cost, 3 shillings, 6 pence. Sufficient for 3 or 4 persons. Seasonable at any time. A fowl à la marengle. The following is the origin of the well-known dish poulet à la marengle. On the evening of the battle, the first consul was very hungry after the agitation of the day, and a fowl was ordered with all expedition. The fowl was procured, but there was no butter at hand, and unluckily none could be found in the neighbourhood. There was oil in abundance, however, and the cook having poured a certain quantity into his skillet, put in the fowl with a clove of garlic and other seasoning with a little white wine, the best the country afforded. He then garnished it with mushrooms and served it up hot. This dish proved to be the second conquest of the day, as the first consul found it most agreeable to his palate, and expressed his satisfaction. Ever since, a fowl a la marengo is a favourite dish with all lovers of good cheer. Minced fowl a la bechamel, 950. Ingredients. The remains of cold roast fowl, 6 tablespoonfuls of bechamel sauce, number 367, 6 tablespoonfuls of white stock, number 107, the white of one egg, bread crumbs, clarified butter. Mode. Take the remains of roast fowls, mince the white meat very small and put it into a stew pan with the bechamel and stock. Stir it well over the fire and just let it boil up. Pour the mince into a dish, beat up the white of egg, spread it over and stew on it a few grated bread crumbs. Pour a very little clarified butter on the whole and brown either before the fire or with a salamander. This should be served in a silver dish, if at hand. Time, two or three minutes to simmer in the sauce. Seasonable at any time. The best way to fatten fowls. The barn door fowl is in itself a complete refutation of the cramming and dungeon policy of feeding practised by some. This fowl, which has the common run of the farmyard, living on dairy scraps and offal from the stable, begins to grow fat at threshing time. He has his fill of the finest corn, he has his fill of fresh air and natural exercise, and at last he comes smoking to the table, a dish for the gods. In the matter of unnaturally stuffing and confining fowls, Mowbray is exactly of our opinion. He says, The London chicken butchers, as they are termed, are said to be, of all others, the most expeditious and dexterous feeders, 
putting up a coop of fowls and making them thoroughly fat within the space of a fortnight, using much grease, and that perhaps not of the most delicate kind, in the food. In this way I have no boast to make, having always found it necessary to allow a considerable number of weeks for the purpose of making fowls fat in coops. In the common way, this business is often badly managed, fowls being huddled together in a small coop, tearing each other to pieces, instead of enjoying that repose which alone can ensure the wished-for object, irregularly fed and cleaned until they become so stenched and poisoned in their own excrement that their flesh actually smells and tastes when smoking upon the table. Sussex produces the fattest and largest poultry of any country in England, and the fatting process there most common is to give them a gruel made of pot-liquor and bruised oats, with which are mixed hog's grease, sugar, and milk. The fowls are kept very warm and crammed morning and night. They are put into the coop and kept there two or three days before the cramming begins, and then it is continued for a fortnight, and the birds are sent to market. Ragu of fowl, 951. Ingredients. The remains of cold roast fowls, three shallots, two blades of mace, a faggot of savoury herbs, two or three slices of lean ham, one pint of stock or water, pepper and salt to taste, one onion, one dessert spoonful of flour, one tablespoonful of lemon juice, half a teaspoonful of pounded sugar, one ounce of butter. Mode. Cut the fowls up into neat pieces, the same as for a fricassee. Put the trimmings into a stewpan with the shallots, mace, herbs, ham, onion and stock. Water may be substituted for this. Boil it slowly for one hour. Strain the liquor and put a small piece of butter into a stewpan. When melted, dredge in sufficient flour to dry up the butter and stir it over the fire. Put in the strained liquor, boil for a few minutes and strain it again over the pieces of fowl. Squeeze in the lemon juice, add the sugar and a seasoning of pepper and salt. Make it hot, but do not allow to boil. Lay the fowl neatly on the dish and garnish with croutons. Time, altogether one and a half hours. Average cost, exclusive of the cold fowl, ninepence. Seasonable at any time. The best fowls to fatten, etc. The chicks most likely to fatten well are those first hatched in the brood, and those with the shortest legs. Long-legged fowls, as a rule, are by far the most difficult to fatten. The most delicate sort are those which are put up to fatten as soon as the hen forsakes them, for, as says an old writer, then they will be in fine condition and full of flesh, which flesh is afterwards expended in the exercise of foraging for food, and in the increase of stature, and it may be a work of some weeks to recover it, especially with young cocks. But whether you take them in hand as chicks, or not till they are older, the three prime rules to be observed are sound and various food, warmth, and cleanliness. There is nothing that a fatting fowl grows so fastidious about as his water. If water any way fowl be offered him, he will not drink it, but sulk with his food, and pine, and you all the while wondering the reason why. Keep them separate, allowing to each bird as much space as you can spare. Spread the ground with sharp sandy gravel. Take care that they are not disturbed. In addition to their regular diet of good corn, make them a cake of ground oats or beans, brown sugar, milk, and mutton suet. Let the cake lie till it is stale, then crumble it and give each bird a gill measure for morning and evening. No entire grain should be given to fowls during the time they are fattening. Indeed, the secret of success lies in supplying them with the most nutritious food without stint, 
and in such a form that their digestive meals shall find no difficulty in grinding it. End of section 45